Hi guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Thomas Avenue Ceramics and their mission to make tile buying easier. We'll share how they're doing that later in the episode. And you can browse tile options at thomasavenueceramics.com slash YHL, where the code YHL20 will get you 20% off your next order. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're talking with house cleaning pro Melissa Maker about how to make spring cleaning faster, easier, and more fun. We're also diving into this hygge thing that people are talking about and finding out how it can make your home happier. Hey, hey. Hello, guys. I'm excited about my what's new this week because I feel like it's a thing. It's a movement that's happening. Are you like trying to establish yourself as a trendsetter? No, 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 no. I've been hearing whispers of this for a long time. I'm just predicting that this is going to mainstream and I think we're all going to hear about it a lot on like morning shows and I got a book about it and I'm interested in it. And it's called Huga. But you're going to say, no, I don't see books with Huga on them. I see books with Higgy on them. It's because it's spelled like the word Higgy. It's H-Y-G-G-E. But the pronunciation, which it actually says on the cover of this book, because everyone gets it so wrong, it says pronounced Huga. It's like that yogurt, Faye. Yes. And we're all like, is it Faye? Faji? Anyway, but this is called The Little Book of Higgy, which I read very excited. Huga, Sherry. Sorry. <laughs> see, in my head, I still read it Higgy. This is called The Little Book of Huga. My apologies. And I read it very excitedly. It's adorable. I'll link to it in the show notes because I'm kind of obsessed with it. I couldn't find it at the library and I almost gave up because I'm cheap like that. And then I ordered it on Amazon and I'm so glad I bought it because I have like 15 tabs in all the pages. And it's essentially this concept of coziness or warmth and gratitude in a home. It's Danish, right? It's Danish, exactly. So it's Danish secrets to happy living. Essentially, it's sort of the pursuit of everyday happiness, which I love this concept of just like making our houses feel warmer, you know, enjoying the simple pleasures, all this stuff about gratitude. And I'm I'm into it. Like, sign me up. Huga, Higgy, whatever you want to call it. It's not a word you can define in like a sentence. You know, it's not like cozy. It's this like atmosphere and feeling and warmth. It would make for a short podcast segment if it were. It really would. There's a lot of things that they say contribute to it. Like the Huga Manifesto is atmosphere, turning down the lights and lighting candles, um, presence, turning off the phones, being in the present, pleasure, coffee, chocolates, cookies, candies, all the like, you know, sort of luxuries, but they're everyday luxuries. It's not gold faucets and money. It's a it's, nice rich chocolate cake. It's the treat yourself. Exactly. Of the world. Um, there's gratitude, taking it in. This might be as good as it gets. Not wanting for more, but just being happy with what you have. Comfort, you know, relaxation, cushy things, warm things, soft things. Togetherness, you know, relationships and reminiscing, like getting together on the couch with a fire crackling and remembering funny times, you know, reminiscing together. As Aha, a the time. The time. Remember that time when it's... I do. It was hilarious. <laughs> so is the whole book about like things to do to your house though? No, I think it touches on a lot of... Where you would apply this in your life, dressing, your lifestyle, uh, what you want for yourself, like your goals. It, of course, establishes why Denmark is like so happy in their history and all that. And then there's like funny things like Huga activities and it might be like board games, you know, just suggestions. I think the whole book is sort of like a handbook to having more Huga in your life. And so there's some fun suggested activities like a pantry party. 
Okay. <laughs> where you like invite your friends over for an afternoon of cooking and everyone brings ingredients to make something. So, you know, like you go in your pantry and take whatever oh, oh, out. Okay, I gotcha. Not panties, pantry. No, I, I got that much. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, like people come together in your kitchen and you cook together and it's sort of like this, it's almost like a, um, what do we call that? A potluck? I feel like my what's new is going to be Huga related. Oh, really? Yes, but I'll let you finish. Okay. I think what really, the core of this is the simple pleasures and the gratitude. And there's a ton about fireplace, candles. Oh, I wanted to ask you this. How often do you think the Danes, on average, light candles? Daily? You're right. The highest percentage in the poll does them daily. And then how many candles do you think would be lit at a time? Um... Did we enter the game portion of this podcast without me <laughs> I knowing? Just, this surprised me. Because I didn't play the music. This surprised me. I, um, I would say guess. they light eight candles. Yes, more than five. Yes. The majority of the people in the poll lit more than five. In fact, one of the other higher numbers was I don't know, which leads me to believe it's so many, they can't even count them. <laughs> so this, to me, creates this lovely idea of this home that's like candlelit and warm and beautiful. I also love this buying tip for your home. It said, a huga idea is to link purchases with good experiences. For example, this guy who wrote the book had saved money for a new chair that he really wanted, but he waited until he'd published his first book to buy the chair. And so that way in buying the chair, it reminds him of this accomplishment and it feels like more than just the time I bought the chair. It's like, remember when I wrote that book and then I bought myself this chair to celebrate and it becomes this like special spot. That reminds me of our Hawaii vacation that we took back in 2012 because we scheduled it to be right after we finished shooting our first book so like I, exactly that was, was kind like of a reward yeah i feel like we just needed our house was a mess too we just left the house yeah. the house was destroyed from book shoots throughout the house like the the beds weren't in the right spot and we just left and we went to hawaii they also have 10 things to add to your house that are huga they believe in a big cushy armchair we talked about the fireplace and the candle they love things made out of wood because there's warmth and craftsmanship there's you know nature in Agreed. wood a main category for them is books They love, you know, not reading on your Kindle, but like holding a book, the smell of a book, a bookcase full of books, just like surrounding yourself with these things. Yeah, they're all the cozy things. You know, again, it starts to paint a picture when you layer it all like, is my room huga enough? Maybe I need to make, you know, I feel like our living room's huga, but is our dining room huga? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Don't be mad at Huga. I think it's very I'm not mad. I like the idea of it. I guess the reason I love this book is it sort of- Vindicates your lifestyle? Exactly. When I think of the things I love the most, it's like- A warm cup of tea, sitting under the blanket in the part of the couch that's my favorite. It's the part with the chase part, so my legs can be extended. Like, that is a mom luxury. It's like, remember how I said smelling the candles at Target? Yes. That is huga to me. Like, these taking these moments to enjoy something instead of rushing through them crazy. It's like when you get to stop and your world just stops spinning and it's just like you get to just chill for a second. I gotcha. Okay, but I'm rambling. There is tons of stuff in here. We'll put a link to it in the show notes for you guys. Again, it's called The Little Book of Huga, not Higgy. You can sound very smart when you correct everyone who's calling it by the wrong name. Smart, obnoxious. <laughs> is it Huga to correct someone who pronounces Huga wrong? I'm not sure. Well, for my what's new, kind of like I said, I think it ties into this idea of togetherness because we did this super fun thing with our neighbors the other day called Thrift Store Date Night. 
is this thing where basically you go out on a date night with your friends, but you're all dressed in funny outfits that you find at thrift stores. And you don't get to pick your own outfit. Someone draws your name and picks your outfit. So everyone goes to different thrift stores, finds the most ridiculous things. Like we're talking about like rhinestone studded pockets on male jeans. Like they're, they're like from the era in the 90s when the boy bands were out. Yeah, I think this is something that started maybe just with Goodwill as Goodwill date night, but you can really do it, I guess, with any thrift store. And so last year, just a few of our neighbors did it just like a group of three couples and so this year they opened up the invitation to everyone on our facebook group and nine couples rsvp'd and so we so 18 of us dressed in the most amazing garb it was good because women had women and we all exchanged measurements so like the guy buying for john knew about john's super long legs and got him pants that were almost yeah i was gonna say (laughs) we had each other's measurements that didn't necessarily mean everything we got was a perfect fit that's what i think was so funny we walked into this restaurant downtown and we picked a really busy restaurant because part of the fun of going out in these crazy outfits is not to like hide at someone's house you have to go and be seen yeah this is not a house party that's what bonds you but the funniest part to me was when we were walking in and everyone was trying to figure out what was going on it's like is this an 80s night right like a few of us looked very 80s bright colors shoulder pads and so at first you thought oh it's an 80s party and then came like the grandma witchy looking people and then you were like wait is it the 80s the guy in like a camo vest right there were just all the different looks going on the lady with the elastic jeans and the visor right right. with socks and flip-flops yes my outfit was a like basically yellow corduroy suit i had a maroon dress shirt on under so i was very like ketchup and mustard like mcdonald's looking yeah it was very mcdonald's like 70s mcdonald's i would yeah. say was your vibe and then you had what like a green it was like i had double shoulder pads first of all which anyone who knows how small i am and how small my head is i've never looked like i've had a tinier head because i had the giant shoulder pads in my green satin dress and you know that satin that has like a floral pattern within the satin like it could be covering i don't know an old chair this was on my body with with the shoulder pads and then on top of that was a velvet paisley blazer which i think was an underhanded joke and how i like like, a black blazer (laughs) it was black and green and purple swirled paisley and then that also had shoulder pads so double shoulder pads. and you had a matching purse i did i had like a cross body bright emerald green purse with like a gold chain you know one of those chain purses and then even shoes like it was a full outfit Obviously, we know you guys want pictures of this, so they will be at the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, so you can see our outfits and our whole sort of motley crew of the neighborhood. But it definitely was a really fun night and a good way to spend time with our neighbors. We have some new neighbors that we got to meet doing it. They were very brave to make this their first like outing with the group, <laughs> um, so props to them. And I, I think it was a good way to raise money for thrift stores, too, because there was a $20 limit. I should explain that. So everyone got each other's ours, measurements. We went to 25 We did go to 25 But, you know, it's you're giving back to the community. You're taking these crazy old outfits. And the funny thing is that some people are like, I'm totally keeping this because I have an 80s party coming up. Or like, oh, yeah, I do a crazy Christmas sweater and I can use this sweater. So parts of it will just get redonated and other parts of it will make the light of day again. I think people are going to re- reuse some of it. I bet mine can be a Halloween costume. We'll see. I know. What could you be? Could you be the Hamburglar? Did he wear a suit like no, that? No, he had a striped black and white. Like, oh, you're right. More think, of like, like the jailbird Like look. kind of Beetlejuice looking. Yeah, you're right. Because he was a burglar. That's right. <laughs> Not to be confused with Sabaro's a burger. <laughs> Not that again. Okay, well, I'm going to stop you and give you a quiz. So here's the part of the show that we call What's Not, 
I give her a list of things. All of them are true except for one that I've made up. She has to tell me what's real and what's not. And this one, Sherry, is about soap. Specifically, Dr. Bronner's magic soap. Okay. I mean, I use that, so I should have a fair chance of being okay at this. Yeah. So you guys may know Dr. Bronner's. It's that Castile soap that comes in kind of those colorful bottles that have like a boatload of text on them. Right. Which I never read. So now I'm realizing I'm going to fail this quiz. Yeah. So (laughs) I found a list on Mental Floss called 15 Things You Didn't Know About Dr. Bronner and His Magic Soap. Because Dr. Bronner, Dr. Emmanuel Bronner, is a real guy, a real soap maker. alive? No, he's not. Um, He immigrated to the United States from Germany in 1929. Shortly after, my grandfather, also named Emanuel, came over here from Germany. So I pulled out some of the facts from this list, which are quite crazy, and you have to tell me what's real and what's not. Okay, first fact. Dr. Bronner was actually primarily a lecturer and a philosopher preaching a code that he called the moral ABC. Sure. I believe he was sort of this figure who was um, not a religious figure, but I feel like he was like very moral. Yes. He once escaped from the mental hospital he'd been committed to. What? I'm going to say maybe on that. Let's hear the rest of these. He put his children into foster care so that he could focus on his lectures. No, he better not, or I'm going to stop buying his soap. The company was sent into bankruptcy when the IRS denied its filing as a nonprofit religious organization. Oh, this is getting a little bit more... It's getting darker. It really is. Now I don't want the soap. Dang it, it smells so good, the almond one. He was once arrested by DEA agents for including hemp oil in his product. I know that there was hemp oil in something. I think. Maybe not him, though. No, I'm going to say that's true. I'm hoping the one of putting his kids in foster care to focus on soap is fake, but I don't feel like you'd make that up. I think the made-up one is B. That he escaped from the mental hospital? Yes. That is true. Dang, was it the kids one? No, that's true also. I would not make that up. Why couldn't his wife help with the children? I think his wife had passed away. Oh. Uh, No, the fake one, which was kind of a detail, he was not arrested by the DEA for including hemp oil in his products, but his grandson was. Oh. Well, technically not for including hemp oil in his product, but I guess his grandson, David, Uh um, who runs the company now, is somewhat of a hemp activist. He did some protests like he um, planted hemp seeds on the lawn of the DEA. (laughs) Oh. And he also milled hemp oil in front of the White House. But I have a question. How is the grandson involved when he so coldly put the kids in foster care? Like, why would the grandson even want a piece of this? Well, because his son grew up to help with the business. So maybe they were older and they were cool with it. Maybe this was like an amazing foster care. It was like, what's that movie? It's like Annie. No, what's that one where the dad's always gone and the woman comes? Mary Poppins? Maybe. I don't think that's foster care. What's that one that they did on live TV? And it was like something about Maria. The Sound of Music? Yeah. Yeah, is that? No. No, it's not foster care. These are just like, I think, nannies. People raising your children who aren't the parents? Yes. Should we like this Dr. Bronner's or should we be opposed? I think he's just an interesting character. Okay. I think this moral ABC that he preached, and that's actually what's printed on much of the label is his whole philosophy because he realized that people were not sticking around to his lectures. And so he's like, I'll put this on the soap. Yes, exactly. As a way to sell his soap. And I've read 0%. I read the the label that says almond or lavender. That's what I read. Well, his general philosophy is the basic idea is that we shouldn't focus on how we are different and instead about how we are the same. That would make us better off on this spaceship Earth, I believe he calls it. Oh, yeah. Because he also calls it magic soap. So you have to start to wonder what's going on. 
So I will put a link to the list that I found on mental floss. And also, guys, Miss Myers does the same thing. I use them interchangeably. <laughs> oh, listen to these facts about Miss Myers. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, actually, you know what, Sherry? Speaking of uh, soap and cleaning, we are going to give a ring to Melissa Maker. She is a YouTube star who has a channel called Clean My Space. Yeah, super cleaning guru. We figured since it's the beginning of March, kind of spring cleaning. I don't know. Is it premature to say it's spring cleaning time? Is that, no. Is that wishful thinking? I think we're ready for some spring cleaning. Yeah. So she's got a book coming out. And we want to talk to her to get some uh, motivation to dive into our cleaning. Because we all know I am not exactly a pro when it comes to how often to scrub or vacuum. Yes. You are a tidier, not a scrubber. That's right. Episode two, if you don't get the reference. Anyways, uh, let's give Melissa a call. Hi there. Hi. It's a pleasure to finally chat with you guys. You too. I'm Sherry. This is John. In case you couldn't guess. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I did figure it out, but a formal introduction never hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I think of cleaning as this chore that we all kind of hate or want to avoid. And the fact that you not only enjoy it, but have decided to make videos about it and like make it your, you know, your It's like work. your life's work. Well, it's funny that you say that, John. Um, it, okay. So Sherry, yes, for the last you know, 10 plus years of my career, it kind of has been my life's work, which is quite funny because John, back to your point, I actually don't love cleaning. (laughs) I actually hate it. In 2005, I graduated with a business degree um, here in Toronto and I took a job working at a bank, uh, which was really, as you can probably tell, not my thing. Um, (laughs) And I started dating my now husband about three months before I quit that job. And I quit because he said to me, look, I think you really need to give your entrepreneurial dreams a go, whatever it is that you decide to do. And I did. So I quit and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was waitressing at the time. And I just kept hearing about how people were struggling finding a good person to clean their house, someone who they could rely on, someone who knew what they were doing, so on and so forth. And I decided, you know, this is a good thing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to start a cleaning business. And then the first problem was I had to figure out how to clean and I had to like get over the fact that I didn't like cleaning. And then in 2011 is when my husband and I decided to start making these YouTube videos about cleaning and we've been doing it ever since. And do you like cleaning anymore now or do you still hate it? (laughs) I wouldn't say I like it anymore, but I have developed a really deep respect for it and what it can do for me. Because we all know like there are huge benefits to cleaning, like those are obvious, but it's, can we actually get ourselves to do it? <laughs> that's that's the challenge. So I like to focus on the outcome and what it does for me instead of what it takes away from me, if you will. And why do you think so many people have a problem just like sort of getting into the rhythm? Is it that they don't have the right tools or they don't know where to start? Like what is the hurdle we're all hitting? The, I, I think there are several hurdles. You've hit on two of them already. And then I, I just think motivation is a big thing as well. And and this is why we've worked so hard, Chad and I, Chad's my husband, we've worked so hard on creating the YouTube material and why I've put my book together is because I just want to teach people how to do it. And I believe it comes down to three things, which I call the PTTs, the products, the tools, and the techniques. And I think once you know those three things, no excuse in the world is going to stop you because cleaning will just feel so second nature. So it's sort of about automation and not having to debate the tools or debate the order. And once you figure that stuff out, you can just go and do it. 
Exactly. If you can put your brain on autopilot while you're cleaning and listen to a podcast or listen to some great music. If you watch TV, obviously, you're never going to clean. I will take a subtle podcast plug anytime. So John thank you. loves to thank tell you, people Melissa. to listen to the podcast as they listen to our podcast. It's <laughs> a great podcast that you can listen to while you're cleaning. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> What do you think the biggest mistake people are making when they clean their home? Maybe they don't feel like they can't get started. They have the motivation, but they're just doing it wrong and you see it time and time again and just want to help them. I think the mistake that people make is having the all or nothing mentality, thinking you have to do everything right now and it has to look perfect because that is the best way to get yourself not psyched up to clean because you feel like, oh my gosh, my house has to look amazing. I don't know how to do all this stuff. I don't know what products to use. But I think for people to get started um, and to sort of avoid that mistake, just having like a cleaning routine or a cleaning schedule is really helpful and like being really nice to yourself. So saying it doesn't have to look perfect. I just have to do whatever level of cleanliness I can possibly attain during this cleaning. And that's good enough for me. And then, of course, learning those products, tools, and techniques will help make that happen as quickly and efficiently as possible. I loved your tip for taking a microfiber cloth and sort of draping it over the end of a mop and wrapping that with a um, elastic so it looks like a little ghost. And then you can yes. use – I love <laughs> that you can use it for cobwebs on the ceiling and then you can flip it over and use it for the baseboards, which are like my least favorite thing to clean. Yeah, I call it the high-dusting ghost. I mean, look, you have to you have to kind of make fun of cleaning because it can be a bit of a boring topic. So <laughs> I tried to find ways to make it fun. But, you know, a great little tip for me when I learned it, it was absolutely game-changing for for cleaning and it's what I call the S pattern. And if you can imagine for a moment what you would see someone do if they were to clean a window, they'd probably take a cloth and just go in a circular buffing motion and try to clean a window. And I can tell you as someone who has literally studied cleaning for the past 10 and a half years, that motion, that circular buffing motion is like the worst possible thing you can do. You're taking a clean cloth, you're wiping it over a dirty surface, and then you're coming right back up onto the surface that you just cleaned, and you're redepositing the dirt right there. So not only are you exhausting your arm, but the work you're doing is completely useless. So the trick is this S pattern. So if you can imagine taking a cloth and starting at the top right-hand corner of a surface, whether it's a window or a table, pretty much works for any surface aside from your floors. And you basically take your hand, you go from the top right over to the top left, and then you sort of zig back down over to the right, zig back down over to the left, and you sort of make this big S. And your cloth will always capture all of the dirt and bring it downward toward the bottom so that you're never redepositing any dirt. And if done with a microfiber cloth, it gives you a really nice streak-free shine. That makes so much sense because I think about when you're like squeegeeing a windshield, you don't want to go back over the areas and spread the water back where you just dried. You want to keep moving it down the windshield. Yeah, like when I do my windows, I make sort of a box. I follow, I have those little grids in my windows and I follow the grid. And then every time the corner I start with, it has dust in it. And now I'm thinking about it, it's because the dust comes back around and lands in that first corner because I'm making a square with it. Precisely. And this is the thing. Once you start using this S pattern, 
cleaning changes. Like it becomes easier, it becomes faster, and your results are better. Well, I love that tip. And I also wonder if you have any cleaning product tips, because I know you have some um, sort of eco-friendly homemade ideas in the book, and they're especially great for cheapos like me, because they're like just pennies per usage. There are so many, but I'll, I'll give you a couple of basics. The first one that I love is just all-purpose cleaner. And you can use this on pretty much any surface in the home. I wouldn't use it on glass only because the soap might streak. But what I would recommend is just to take two cups of water, plain water, put it into a clear spray bottle, um, label it so you know what it is, and then add about a teaspoon of dish soap. And this could not be any more simple to make. It couldn't be any less expensive to make. It's so easy to do. But it can clean the majority of surfaces in your home. And if you want to ever jazz that recipe up, you can always throw in a few dashes of your favorite essential oils, which is a really fun thing to experiment with. It gives you this lovely smell. And also, as you probably know, some essential oils have really beneficial properties to them, like they might be antimicrobial or antibacterial. So they're also really great for cleaning that way too. And then I'll tell you about another one of my recipes that I absolutely love. And you guys have to try this one and let me know how it goes. It is designed to replace like a cream cleaner, you know, something that you would use to clean a tub or a sink. And it's just equal parts baking soda and dish liquid. And you stir it together just with your finger. It's pretty safe to use. And you apply it with a sponge onto your affected area. And then just let it sit for a minute and do its thing. Flip your sponge over to the scrubby side and then just start scrubbing, obviously using the S pattern. Now that we've talked about it, you know exactly what it is. And then rinse it off. And you'll see it's an incredible product to get rid of grime and soap scum. It's a great degreaser too. So that one, I mean, it could not be easier. It's so safe to use and it's incredibly effective. What would you say is one like totally satisfying thing someone could like stand up right now while they're listening to the podcast and do to make them feel more on top of their cleaning routine? Okay. Number one answer, your kitchen sink. Get your sink empty and then give it a good scrub down. Use that mix of baking soda and dish soap that I just told you about. Rinse it with hot water and then polish it up with a microfiber cloth or a dishcloth. I am convinced that a clean sink, it, it's like it's like a bit of a natural high. Like when you <laughs> feel so happy. And I find that can often kickstart the, the want to do more cleaning after that. It's so funny you say that because I feel like part of our routine is like kind of having little checkpoints around the day. Like I make sure after we're all done with breakfast and everyone's off to school and we're like getting ready to transition to work, I always have to make sure that the kitchen sink is empty. It's like that sort of signal that I'm mentally clear to dive into the next thing. It's like his neurosis, and I'll put my tea mug in there, but I intend to use it like six times. Like I keep making myself I'll tea like, throughout nope, the day. Nope, nope, this goes in the dishwasher. It's no, empty. I go back in and it's not in the sink anymore because John is like methodically emptying the sink and I'm like, stop putting it in the dishwasher. I just want it to sit there. So now I've learned to put it on the cutting board so that I can just keep reusing it because anything that goes in the sink, it's just gone. It's as if there's a little gnome that sits in the sink and just moves things out of the sink, but but it's really John. And you know what's so funny? The fact that you guys, I mean, you work together, obviously your husband and wife, and the way that you both talk about cleaning is so common um, among couples. You know, everybody has their shtick. He likes something this way. She likes something that way. And cleaning is really interesting because it's sort of this negotiating process that everyone in the family has to go through. But I find especially between spouses or partners 
it's like a real learning experience. You know, you have to learn how to give, how to receive, how to accept, how to tolerate. Like it's a real good life lesson, don't you think? Totally. Yeah. And I was just thinking about with our kids, we have tried to like set them up for success. So we create systems, even something as simple as like, there is a basket where your shoes can go and there is a hook for your backpack. And we're essentially trying to train them to do things on autopilot. It kind of goes back to the beginning of our conversation. Because I think the more that you can do things on autopilot, I don't think John is intentionally stealing my mug. He's just cleaning the sink on autopilot. And so I think that we can all do that as a household. It hums at a higher efficiency than if nobody knew where to put anything or what to do. Well, kudos to you guys for doing that. I mean, you know, setting your kids up the way that you have, it's such a wonderful service that you're offering them because when they're older, they're not going to, hopefully, God willing, they're not going to struggle with cleaning. And I think, you know, when I speak to people in our audience and they say, you know, no one's taught me how to clean or I want to live in a clean house, but no one in my family cares about cleaning. Like, the skills that you're teaching them now from such a young age, these are skills that they'll carry with them for the rest of their lives. I can't say we're always successful at it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I need to, to clarify that I'm really good at tidying and organizing and where I struggle is the actual cleanliness, like the scrubbing and the vacuuming. Reading your book, it's weird to say this out loud, but it made me actually want to do those things. Just you, Even you describing the S pattern, I suddenly want to dust the top of my <laughs> TV cabinet that I'm staring at because I know it's dusty, but I would have dusted that in the wrong pattern. And now I want to try out the S pattern. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I find as you build this skill, it's so funny, but cleaning really is like a confidence builder. And when you see that you're getting good at something, you actually want to do it more. Like why would you ever want to roast a turkey if you burn the turkey every time? So it's the exact same with cleaning. Like once you start to develop that skill, it won't feel so daunting. Well, Melissa, it's been so good talking to you and these are great tips. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Take care, Melissa. All right, take care. Well, if you guys want to check out some of Melissa's videos on her Clean My Space YouTube page, we'll put a link to it in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, along with the link to her new book, also called Clean My Space. And I've actually got a cleaning related we're digging this week. Mm. But first, we're going to take a quick break. This week's episode is brought to you by Thomas Avenue Ceramics, an online tile shop where you can get advice from an expert and pick just the right tile for the job without ever leaving your desk chair or your sofa. And the two guys who started Thomas Avenue come from a long line of tile makers and sellers, and they learned firsthand that running a tile business takes more than just having great tile. Here's Justin Malloy, one of the co-founders. After I graduated college, I went and worked for my dad and started in the warehouse, like shuffling samples and packing up stuff. So we learned from the ground up. And it's corny to say like you're passionate about something, but like this is the only thing that I know how to do. And when we take that and we translate it into the online world, I don't think the principles or the tenets of your business should change any. I want us to stand out because the service was fantastic or those people over at Thomas Avenue, they helped us out way beyond what they needed to do. That's the kind of word of mouth that I'm looking for. I mean, we can find great product, but finding great people is a lot different. You can get all your tile questions answered through their live chat feature on the website. Sometimes it's even Justin himself on the other end. They also have a quantity calculation guide, 99 cent tile samples, design tips, and more. Just head over to thomasavenueceramics.com slash YHL. And to get 20% off your next tile order, use discount code YHL20. Shall we hit the We're Digging music? So this week I'm digging something called the Scrub Daddy. 
<laughs> I should have known. So this is a sponge, as the name probably implies. I think my mom actually gave it to me, maybe even as a Father's Day gift yes, a while ago. Yes, it was many years ago. She we could, keep buying scrub daddies. She saw the term daddy. She's like, oh, this is good for a Father's Day gift. <laughs> I think it's a Shark Tank product, too. Is it? Yeah, Oh, I, I didn't so. know that. Yeah. I'm, I thought it was like an as seen on TV, but well, maybe that's the same thing. It deserves both titles. <laughs> because basically, it's this little round sponge that looks like a face. And it's, it's yellow, bright yellow. Well, they sell them in multiple colors oh, now. Oh, do they? I stick with the yellow ones because I'm a purist. <laughs> But the cool thing about it, because you're sort of like, okay, what? It's a gimmicky sponge. It's made of this thing that it changes its texture based on the water temperature. So if you're using cold water, it's like stiff and... It's almost like steel wool. Yeah, it's really coarse. Right, like you'd use it to scrub a pot that you cooked like rice in that, that got like stuck to the that bottom. stubborn, stuck on grease or oh, whatever geez. they say. Oh, Here he goes in infomercial mode. Right, exactly. But... Then if you put warm water, hot water on it, it softens up and becomes more like the texture of a regular sponge. I didn't even think I knew that about Scrub Daddy. Oh my gosh. For years, I've been faithfully ignoring Scrub Daddy and letting John have all the fun. He <laughs> just thought it was my little friend in the sink. Exactly. That's pretty smart, actually. Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of wooed by it, I guess, because <laughs> of the magic of it. Um, but it is useful because in one thing, you get the normal just kind of wiping of a sponge and then also the coarse scrubbing of like kind of the grittier side of your sponge. I also noticed they now have something called a Scrub Mommy. Oh, is that the one I use? No, what it looks like is that one actually has two sides. It has the kind of scrub daddy side, but then also has a more traditional sponge side. So which part of the scrub mommy is for more heavy duty scrubbing? The the original scrub daddy part? Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is making complete sense. <laughs> right. The mommy side is the softer side. Oh. The more gentle, caring, affectionate side. Okay, got it. What if you find scrub mommy and scrub daddy under the sink just like snuggling? That's how you get scrub babies. <laughs> They're little tiny sponges. And I will say the face is kind of convenient because you can stick your fingers through the two holes. I've heard that the smile is for the spoon. Do you know that about it? Oh my gosh, I'm learning things. <laughs> I've seen this on the infomercial. There's a curved smile, but you know how you, if you stir something with a spoon, it's bent. You yes. can stick the spoon right through the smile and it supposedly scrubs the spoon. I've just been putting on plays with it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, doopy doopy doop. Hi kids, you oh, want to Oh, would you like me to clean next, Mr. John? <laughs> Uh, I'll put a link to the Scrub Daddy and the Scrub Mommy uh, in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. I think we've covered enough of my cleaning weirdness, though, for today. Let's move into shoe weirdness, which is my category. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) Okay, so a long time ago, I think it was episode 28, I talked about my short girl jeans that I'm obsessed with. This is sort of a follow-up of a shoe that I really like. It works with the jeans, so you can wear them together, or if you have any jeans anywhere or pants anywhere. Is it a shoe for short girls? I mean, it doesn't hurt if you're short, because it has like a three or three and a half inch heel. I like it because I... I'm not someone who can wear like a five inch heel and I don't like a platform because I feel like I'm just going to topple over. I just feel like unsteady. So this is a wood stacked heel. So anyone listening, John's not going to understand what this no. means, but I'm holding a shoe I'll up to show him. I'll be back in a few him. minutes. I'm tuning out. <laughs> it's a stacked wood heel. So it's very solid looking. It's not a little teeny stiletto. It feels, you don't feel like you're going to slip or fall in these shoes because they're really substantial. They're by Vince Camuto. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, I think he's Italian. <laughs> Good old Vince. And the thing that's cool, they're booties, but they have the toe open, which at first scared me because it felt a little bit too fashion forward for me. Like, why am I wearing a sandal slash booty? Like, why are my toes out in a booty? But what I've realized is that they go with 
everything. They go with dresses. They go with denim skirts. Because of the little sandal-ish aspect, they look great with jeans and pants and with dresses and skirts. Did they go with your thrift store date night outfit? They didn't because I wasn't allowed to wear them because I had to wear these weird square-toed Nine West shoes from the 80s that I was given by the person who had me. But I got them in black. I think they come in some other colors. They have a little cutout part on the ankle. I'll put a picture of them in the show notes and I'll link to them. I just think they're a really good staple as long as there's not snow on the ground or probably rain because you wouldn't want your toes out in the rain. They're good with jeans and a sweater and I think they're equally cute with like a summery dress with your little toes out. Paint your toes a bright color. And just like I piggybacked on Sherry's jeans, I'm going to put a link to my shoes. (laughs) shoes. You love my shoes. Which shoes? My blue ones. Oh, those sneakers? Yeah. Yes. They're laceless. They're very casual. They're very comfortable. They're super cute. You do have to break them in a little bit, but I'm totally going to rebuy them once these um, become too dirty to wear in public. Anyone who's wondering what John's wearing on his feet, hustle on over to the show notes where you'll have that information. In this podcast on a high note. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where you get to hear us slaughter the pronunciation of new words every week. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd be really grateful if you took a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes. They help new people discover the show, which helps us keep this thing going, which feels pretty win-win for everyone involved. And keep telling us what you do while you listen, like Barry on Twitter who listened while shoveling his walkway, or as he put it, organizing some snowflakes. And head over to younghouselove.com podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode, like some of Melissa's handy cleaning videos. And us in our crazy thrift store date night get-ups. I'm already embarrassed at the thought of you guys seeing them. Later. Bye. But I think... Well. <laughs> <laughs> Your face was like, People Whoa. don't even have a sense of all the bodily functions <laughs> that I edit out of this podcast. <laughs> Snorts. <laughs> coughs.